0: Find their written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose.
1: Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now.
0: Welcome to Under the Helmet, official show of UTHDynasty.com. We've Got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons, and we've got a Julio Jones to Tennessee trade to discuss. We've got a few Dynasty trades, and we're going to talk because June, July, perfect time for a startup draft, and you may be looking into little Debbie league, uh, you know, maybe a different type of Debbie league than you've played before, or maybe you're just diving into the format. So we're going to go through a few broad strokes, uh, some strategy points, just generally speaking for, for those formats uh, as again, tis the season. And we've got a little span of time here four six weeks where we're not going to get a ton occurring before the NFL fully ramps back up outside of maybe something going on with Aaron Rodgers, maybe a few players smattering here and there, but largely, The biggest news is going to come late July and in August in terms of shifting the landscape Yet again, I do want to mention that if you like this show, you want to get 250 plus premium shows, dive into specific topics on a very, uh, very detailed level. You can find those over at uthsinesee.com as a general manager subscriber. And uh, Katie, we've got Julio Jones, and this was expected. Julio Jones not being Atlanta in Atlanta was the expectation. Didn't quite know. I know Tennessee was one of the favorites there, but now that it's actually occurred, what are some of your thoughts there as Julio being? Uh, a a bridge player that that potentially could be a higher impact guy you know over the next 1 to 2 seasons we'll see what happens beyond there he's already been in load management uh kind of partition of his career to date uh AJ Brown being uh one of those pieces that he's joining there in Tennessee uh, a lot of discussion i've seen is going to center around is Tennessee going to pass the ball a little more do they feel they need to pass the ball a little more and then with Atlanta sons Julio Jones we've already had some greater amount of time, assuming that he's not going to be on the roster at Delt sometime in June, uh, but just Julio Jones not being in Atlanta as the other moving piece here.
1: Yeah. So the one thing that I don't like about the Julio to the Titans is one of my under the radar super flex steals is Ryan Tannehill. And he is now not going to be flying under the radar anymore He's underappreciated. His ADP has him just behind Baker Mayfield and uh, QB 17, QB 17. And in the last three years without Julio, just at Tennessee, the last three years, Tannehill has put up 18 top 12 weeks. And again, I don't look at the overall season. I don't care how you finish as QB whatever on the season. How many top 12 or top five weeks have you won? He's been, you know, right there, top 12, top 15 in that capacity. So I'll just... It's great that he's got another weapon, but I think he's going to be less of a sleeper. If you're doing a startup draft now, he's probably going to go off the board a full round, if not earlier, I would guess, than what he had been going just a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I think I think hill was and still maybe a little bit. I mean, UTH was higher on him than the, the ADP as you were referencing in that you know 17, 18, 19 kind of kind of zone at the quarterback position. But you know, he's gonna creep closer and closer to, you know, probably, you know, 15, 16, uh, 14, somewhere in that zone where you know, that's where it starts to get really competitive. You know, you start getting close to 10 12 somewhere in there and and tannehill could certainly hang but you would expect that the volume is going to be one of the big concerns he's been highly efficient he still adds that mobility factor in his young is in his early 30s um and one thing i wanted to ask you about because we're not going to debate the the skill level of aj brown but there was a lot of discussion that this year with you look at what without julio jones I mean, Anthony are big projection on what he's going to maybe provide as the starting tight end. Do they add a tight end? We'll see about that. But, and then you have Josh Reynolds, who, emerged from the Rams to potentially have the number two role. They drafted Desmond Patrick. The point is lesser than Corey Davis previously. So it was basically in the passing game, AJ Brown and let's see what we got. Let's throw it into the air and what part of the confetti is going to hit us. And a lot of the talk was AJ Brown could lead the NFL in targets. AJ Brown could see 175, 200 targets. And he's been a high efficiency player on low volume through two years. So were you in that camp of saying AJ Brown outside of just his usage, his situation here could have been great. And now with Julio Jones, the volume is just the, the ceiling potential is not quite so high or is this going to be no effect on him for, for this year?
1: I think AJ Brown will be the wide receiver one, whatever that volume ends up being ends up being, he's still a top fantasy young wide receiver and a great dynasty asset. I haven't, seen anybody scrambling to sell him since the aftermath of this and you know let's face it julio jones is 33 years old it's not like it's a long-term blip and cream rises to the top he's aj brown's gonna get his targets he's gonna get his share
0: yeah um yeah, I don't think it's going to change any career arcs or things like that. I do think it probably makes wide receiver one overall a little more difficult, just because Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones is going to see more than the 90, 95 targets now. That's pending health. So Julio Jones is in his 30s. He's coming off an injury season. He's already one that we've seen managed in that regard. You know, maybe pl- playing a little more on obvious passing downs, uh, things like that uh, in in his Atlanta time. Shifting over to Atlanta. Do you think, you know, a couple of thoughts that I had about Atlanta, one of them being that it might make Hayden Hurst a little more viable for now. I do think in 2022, Hayden Hurst isn't going to be on the team, but a little more, you kind of look at the, Atlanta's wide receiver core, more two tight end sets, you know, seems like it's in the offing when you look at who are the best three to four players to be on the field for Atlanta in the passing game. It's Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and Hayden Hurst, and Russell Gage. I think that's the clear best four along with a running back in a lot of occasions, but because it gets pretty dicey and they were already thin beyond Russell gauge at wide receiver. It's a bunch of nomadic guys. So we'll see. But I, I think a couple takeaways I had one Russell gauge is going to be in that top 40 to 50 PPR mix. I think it's going to, he was last year with Julio Jones playing a partial season and defense isn't very good. I also think Calvin Ridley, his ceiling goes up because he's going to get an entire year. Unless Atlanta goes in the tank and they're not good offensively, which I don't think is super likely. Uh, but I think it, it kind of clears everything up for all these potential, a little more upside. Kyle Pitts getting a few more targets during his his rookie season, which a lot of people are already lauding that it's going to be awesome. He's going to be a top six, top eight guy as a rookie, uh, which is a really high bar for a tight end. So be careful with that. But it's only going to make his uh, proclamation for this year even hotter for the folks that thought he was going to get off to a a strong career start.
1: Yeah. um, Again, there's still an opportunity. There's guys like golden Tate and Alshon Jeffrey. There's some free agents out there, wide receiver wise that might be inexpensive rentals. I don't know what their salary cap situation looks like, but it's gotta be better now. You don't know. And yes, if everything were to stay exactly the way that it is right now, heading into the season, then everybody you mentioned is the beneficiary. Hayden Hurst would probably be the most likely. I love Mike Davis as a very, not just solid running back, but receiver. So overall, I don't know that it's going to make Calvin Ridley wide receiver one like everybody I see on Twitter shouting and touting, but let them have their day.
0: Well, as we know, sharpshooting running back one or wide receiver one or tight end one QB one is tough. Um, I would say that Calvin Ridley is someone with a with a chance, a chip in a chair. There's plenty of wide receivers that really don't have a lot of create this story on how they get there. Uh, He definitely does have without an injury around him or anything like that. My attached to a good quarterback. And uh, again, you could say maybe his strongest competition is from my best case scenario, is probably Kyle Pitts. You know, in terms of if something out of the side the ring, I mean, you know, Russell Gage seeing 150 targets would be pretty surprising. I know he saw 110 or so last year, but uh, yeah. And, and Hayden Hurst, I will just point out, especially for folks in two tight end leagues. That He's one that, again, I don't think he's going to be there next offseason. He's going to move on, probably have a lead job somewhere, and he could still be inside that top 24 kind of viability for this year. I know he was a mid-ish tight end two last year without Kyle Pitts, but you add him, you subtract Julio Jones, and again, I think it could be net similar for for Hayden Hurst so if he's one that oh Pitts took all the air out of it and a lot of people aren't thinking how a wide receiver could impact a tight end in this regard he would be one that I would at least explore as a profile of saying I got a guy now that can provide depth even if he's not a high impact starter guy and then I think the situation changes next year for him specifically and things could get a little better and he could still end up having you know a couple of top 10 top 12 seasons depending where he goes so he's one of those pedigree bets that uh, it might look really cloudy right now but i think he'll probably be a little deceptively useful from a from a floor and sort of you know if he's your tight end three or something in a two tight end league uh, i think there's some utility now as opposed to you know well in addition to upside later um so is there anything we, we kind of mentioned right before the show? So Gus Edwards re-signing, uh, extending for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, J.K. Dobbins, he is projected as a big breakout guy. What are your thoughts generally about Baltimore and all the work they've done over the last two to three years at wide receivers specifically? I mean, I looked, I think they have four guys that were drafted in the first three rounds over those years. They also have Tylan Wallace, who went earlier on day three with a good profile. They are saying, Lamar Jackson, we are going to help you. All along the way, they did it. They double-dipped again this offseason in the draft. And they brought in Sammy Watkins. We'll see what he can provide. But they have continually added in a wide receiver-centric and moving away from tight end over the last couple of years Do we? Do you think we see a different Baltimore offense? Is this actually leading to somewhere where they're not going to be the complete run-centric, we're going to try to win that way always and forever? Are they actually going to open it up a little more from what we see in the regular season as really it's been postseason that's been the problem?
1: Unless Lamar Jackson has been upgrading his own throwing accuracy, they're a running team. It doesn't matter how many weapons you put around somebody, if you can't hit that weapon, it's just not going to help it's not going to matter Gus Edwards signing is just X. he's a great backup running back
0: is he a backup I like him what is he a backup is he flex viable uh standalone without what wh- regardless of what happens with Dobbins do they have enough volume
1: possibly I, it's way too soon to call that I don't okay. know until we see the, how the season begins but he may turn into by mid-season flex viable
0: Okay. Do you have do you have some receiving usage questions with Dobbins? Like big picture. Well, like you know, I, I mean, I think he's fully capable skill wise. I mean, I think he could catch seventy five, one hundred balls if you put him in the right offense. I mean, I think he's skill wise. But I just I don't ever foresee this with Lamar Jackson. Like I don't think uh you're ever going to get a high strong PPR usage for a running back.
1: No, I agree with you. I think he okay. is capable as a receiver. It's all going to break down to Lamar Jackson.
0: Okay. And you're skeptical.
1: Well, it's much easier to hit a shorter pass or a swing pass or, you know, some kind of something than it is to hit intermediate to deep balls.
0: He just hasn't been throwing them. That's the problem. I mean, if they saw they were dead last in the NFL and like 50 running back targets a year ago, it's tough.
1: And again, I don't see that changing a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, what they're saying is wide receiver, right? They're saying we need help at wide receiver. That could be damning for Marquise Brown. It could be, hey, you know, we just we just need more. We don't we don't like our one through four. We need to address all of that. Let's bring in Rashad Bateman. And and basically our wide receiver one so far has been Mark Andrews. So uh I, I think they're one of the more fascinating ones to watch. Because uh, they typically had about three in rotation. Is that going to include Justice Hill at running back? Um, I do want to see you know who stands out. Is Rashad Bateman going to come in? And I think he's capable of being an early impact guy, like ready to go, lock and load. He's been productive every single year and going back to freshman season at Minnesota. So, And that was with Tyler Johnson there. Uh, And I remember it was all, you know, Tyler Johnson was a big Debbie thing and it turned into Rashad Bateman, you know, at the later stages of Tyler Johnson's career. And we saw Tyler Johnson go day three. So we obviously know the NFL's answer on who they think is better uh, coming into the league. But yeah, I I think Baltimore and, you know, we saw 35 or so touchdowns out of Lamar Jackson, but are they going to become a little more balanced? Is it still going to be run centric? Because if they're run centric, I mean, I think Edwards and Dobbins could both see you know 200 plus carries and, and that would be a, a good increase for edwards obviously you would get dobbins i i, I question without the passing i mean is he going to score 15 plus touchdowns because that's kind of in the derrick henry way i mean if you don't catch a bunch of passes that's kind of what you need to be a high running back one um so let's talk about a couple trades here um one of them and, and I, yeah so a couple trades one of them is josh jacobs it seems Jordan and I are very much in the, I mean, this is a first round running back. Uh, Kenyon Drake is pushing his value down even more. He's got a couple strong finishes uh, to, to open his career. Is is Jacobs a type that, that you generally, is he a hold player? Is he one that you've actively pursued and gotten a few extra shares this off season? And then we'll, we'll kind of get to the trade and some of these tactics here uh, where, where your action plan may, may lead to examples.
1: I haven't tried to acquire him. I haven't seen many trades in the leagues that I'm in with him, but I also have not been actively shopping him. I know that his offensive line isn't going to be as good. I'm not worried about that. Uh, he's a hold for me.
0: Yeah. It definitely his, feels his like ADP
1: if you have. Right now, around RB20. Yeah. Which. In, and you really and can't go lower, falling. right? Right. And it's still falling.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause you get out to the mid twenties of running back and you are clearly shifting from guys who are projected starters, high workload, you know, not, not big questions. I mean, you might have an age question. You might have, I don't know what the upside is here question, but you start venturing into backups, you know, by that point, uh, or a lack of clarity on some of these rosters like Buffalo, for example, and you're venturing into the, like, we don't know how this is going to really shake out and who is the starter and by how much, um, so this was a deal that uh, and again th- we're we're in, a, we're in a room now, we're in a safe space about AJ Dillon being uh, being a guy that you know we think can carry a load, be a high impact guy in the perfect storm. They did bring back Aaron Jones, but this is Josh Jacobs being sold for AJ Dillon a second and two thirds in the FFPC format where roster spots matter. And and to me Like you need like this needs to be AJ Dillon on a first to even have a conversation in my opinion. And this is coming from, I might be the biggest person on AJ Dillon. I might be as big on AJ Dillon as his thighs like i may be that big on him as a dynasty asset where a lot of people are like oh he was you know he was going fourth fifth round of startup drafts when aaron jones was projected not to be back you know and he was already floating out there in the marketplace they bring him back and everyone's thinking you know like oh, all these people that rubbed him rubbed that pick on your face you know in the startup draft back in march i believe um so again i'm still i'm still bullish that says aj dylan can be lineup viable even with jones healthy uh, that he can be a cornerstone player. If Jones gets hurt, he can change your season and win you win you seasons. So I'm that's I'm coming from this and saying that you have to get AJ Dylan in a first, and that's if you love Dylan and you're skeptical of Jacobs, because otherwise, I mean, this is this is really low. And Jacobs, you can't get cute like this. Can't get cute.
1: No, I agree hundred uh, percent. Especially in that format where you need studs, you can't roster, a bunch of what ifs and seconds and and thirds,
0: frankly, they don't matter that much.
1: Seconds and thirds are, are nothing at that point.
0: Yeah. Uh, And, and again, so Dylan's a guy I would explore. I actually have seen late seconds or thirds alone. You know, if you get the right, I don't like this. He's a backup running back and I don't value backup running backs much. That can be the price point. Uh, much in the line of Alexander Madison, for example, or, you know, just a little more expensive than Gus Edwards, who probably goes for like a third. So that price point for the best or the highest upside backup running backs is very appealing. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that and, and Jacobs, if you have him, you got to just hold because I think Drake is going to siphon, you know, consolidate a lot of the Devonte Booker and, you know, former, you know, running back two, three, fours on that depth chart he can still have a pretty nice stat line of like seven, 800 yards even if he doesn't touch Jacobs' usage and production from a year ago. So I think there's plenty there with, uh, with both running backs kind of getting theirs um, in that regard. And it'll be interesting to see with Drake if he gets more receiving work where the Cardinals almost used him in a Josh Jacobs way of like, yeah, he's a receiving guy and you're really using him only as like some downhill thumper, which I find found pretty interesting with Chase, uh, Chase Edmonds there. Yeah. Um, so let's transition to Devi a little bit. and I had one trade that that I recently made and talked to you about, and this will transition to Devi because I think the the fascinating marketplace is about trading Devi players or picks. and Katie and I talk about that all the time when we do our own interrogation shows where you know they're they're an asset. they're an addition just like rookie picks. Devi picks, Devi players are additional ways to cons- to cultivate trades. Um, I traded in one of my leagues, uh, Rakeem Jarrett, who is, uh, he finished his freshman year out of Maryland. He did have a breakout season at, um, at, I think it was actually 19 years old. He's a little older for, uh, for a freshman there, um, at Maryland. Uh, and I gave a mid round Debbie pick it out. actually ended up being a guy we've discussed between us quite a bit, which is Darnell Washington. And that this was before, uh, Eric Gilbert, I believe, uh, showed up in Georgia, uh, and it's a two tight end league as well, but trading those two players, two players slash picks for Juju Schmidt Schuster, who like Josh Jacobs, he has a, sort of a stink around him and, you know, he's back in, uh, Pittsburgh boo, you know, everyone hates that. But again, he was lineup viable a year ago. You put him in as your wide receiver three, four, and, and again, you can still be pretty happy with that. And he's a free agent. Again, let's recycle this. Let's roll it back to 2022 and he just maybe didn't like the options. He wants to roll it back and maybe you know try to win with the Steelers. That's all he's been, you know, in his career. So he's a little bit of an interesting cat, you know, and I would say in a good way. So let's see what happens there. And obviously for this year I think it stunts him, but talk about just in general the idea of trading you know, Devi players away picks because this is something that I used to never do three four years ago. It'd be like I want every Debbie player on my roster, and I'm imagining them ten years from now in my lineups and and great NFL players. But one thing that 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 you've taught me, Katie, and we've discussed quite a bit, and we've done in some of our leagues together is the idea of trading the Devi players, trading the Devi picks, when you, especially when you're a good team. I mean, I think it helps rebuilders when you get a bunch of Devy players and you kind of reset the clock and you get a bunch of chances at early first round pick potential. But the idea of, hey, how about you go for good NFL profile when you have that option, especially when you have guys that are multi-years out and, and things like that on the Devy front with trading.
1: One of the nice things about having a deep enough taxi squad to have so many assets is that you can, when that opportunity arises, pounce on a deal like this. Rakeem Jarrett may end up fine. I don't think he's going to be a stud. I, I think he's going to be a good NFL wide receiver. Will he get round one, round two capital? That's the big question mark. Maybe. That's still a big, long time away from happening. And darn Washington, I think, is a little bit overrated, especially at Georgia. But you're getting a solid NFL player, solid NFL profile. Sometimes when you're rebuilding in Debbie, you need to take those two or three for one shot. But especially one of my biggest rules in Debbie when it comes to trading Debbie players for NFL players, for the most part, even if you're rebuilding, If you can get some kind of NFL piece yourself and then, uh, you know, those couple of Debbie. So if they would have gotten, I don't know, Curtis Samuel plus those two Debbie, that would be a better chance for them to recoup what what they traded away, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and, and like you said, even if you're even if you're rebuilding and you want to center it around college players, you can still get, I mean, what if it was Jalen Reger, for example? You know, getting someone young that that is still on the upside curve, but someone already in the NFL, because one thing, and you know, we talked about this trade before really going into it. I, I know this audience is generally knows what Debbie is, but let's just bat bat back and forth a couple bullet points that so Devi stands for, and my I think it stands for developmental, which means yes. developmental prospects. So the concept here is: so in your typical dynasty league, you're you're drafting. You know, you have an annual rookie draft. It's rookies. Sometimes it's rookie only. Sometimes it's rookie and veteran, but that's your influx of new players in addition to the waiver wire and whoever may percolate up from that regard. But now you're opening it up and generally Debbie leagues are any college player, including incoming freshmen that technically, you know, they might not even be on campus yet. Uh, but they are available for you to draft. That's a that's an eighteen seventeen year old freshman could be a redshirt senior, a sixth year player. That whole landscape of college is open, and that's not just D one. It could be any player, and a lot of times they they even put the prism on you know a college player that you know could be. Uh, we've had some situations where a guy like you know Justin Ross, you're not really sure is he going to continue playing football. You have some scenarios sometimes where a player may be in and out of eligibility or things like that, but just any college player. So it could be a Debbie only draft in addition to a rookie only draft. I personally like the ones that are combo. So you can draft rookie or Debbie with the picks. Um, This could correspond or doesn't have to with IDP. Um, So you have a number of different facets, uh, but that's the, the roadmap of what it is. You're basically adding college players, which in, except for fan tracks, I believe, Every other format, you basically do it, and Katie can get into this a little bit, but it, th- that you have to do basically write-ins, and you have to track the devi on your own. tracks actually enables you to play college fantasy football, which means they're going to track scoring if you do want to play the college side of it. Campus to Canton is a very popular format uh, where that team becomes your NFL team, you know, when the players graduate or declare, um, but they were scoring for you in your college lineup. And then you go forward and they're part of your NFL lineup potentially after that too.
1: Yeah. Straight Debbie does not include any college scoring. They just go on your taxi squad or sometimes on your active roster, depending on the league and how many Debbie players that you can have. But MFL has placeholders. They have up to 200 placeholders where you can create custom names. So you put in the first and last name of the player, their position, their school, and that way they're on somebody's roster. You can see it. They have a little asterisk next to them. So you know that they're a Debbie player makes it easier to trade because then you don't have to track them on a separate sheet. Um, Like some people will do it on a Google doc, but you don't have to in MFL, which is nice. And I agree with you. I like the the leagues better where it's a combined Debbie rookie draft every year that helps retain the value makes the picks easier to trade and assess the value of the picks because it could be a rookie or it could be a Debbie at any one of the picks in the four rounds or however many rounds that you're doing.
0: Yeah. And I found that trading in Debbie leagues, because you have a a different asset class, you have an additional one. You have the picks, of course, like you would with any dynasty league, but you also, in addition to NFL veterans or waiver dollars or whatever. But now you have this whole subsection of a few Debbie players, maybe a lot of Debbie players that fluctuate in value, just like NFL players with the news of the off season, uh, if they end up transferring a uh, new incoming freshman to the depth chart, um, poor play in d- during the college season, you're going to get a, a changing value landscape when they get to the NFL draft process. And they wouldn't even be drafted by a majority of dynasty leagues and other, you know, other formats yet they're already owned, you know, but yet you can, you can manipulate that. So I find, especially if you're dealing with a, if you're a contender and you're dealing with a rebuilder or vice versa, the Devy players. And Katie mentioned that you know when we were talking about that that uh, uh, Juju Smith, Schuster trade, very similar in that you might get teams that you know they're spilling over to the active squad. You know normally it'd be a taxi squad, but they're rebuilding, so they don't really care too much. They're in a probably multi-year before being competitive type environment. But those Devy players really help, and they can be at a discount compared to in their pie in the sky, best case scenario could become. Um, and so I would encourage anybody. So if, if you haven't tried Devi, there are really easy access points to do that. And what it does is it's going to enhance your probably enjoyment level of college. You're going to have a little bit invested when something happens on Saturday, you'd be like, Oh, you know, that player is owned or not owned in my Devi league. Even if you don't have a lot of them, it could be uh, again, I, I've said before. My first Debbie League ever is was one per team. You get one Debbie rights in your four or five round annual draft, so you can, every team can draft one Debbie player. And it started. I remember we first I first got into that league. It was just guys eligible the following year, so you literally were looking at you know previous the previous season sophomores or juniors that were available outside of were in that league and. So that was really, again, I mean, Duplo blocks, you know, in the relative scheme of things, it's like, you're kind of looking at next year's draft class and you're taking one guy or some people would trade their Debbie rights. Oh, now you can draft two. I'll, I'm not, I'm drafting zero. I'll just draft rookies. So that is like the lowest entry point. There's also, you know, you can have, you know, 20 or 30 for the whole league. So you could draft zero. It's your option. You could draft two or three or however long they last with the the picks in the annual draft those are pretty much the most shallow that i'm familiar with uh but again the one per team or two per team or you know if you want to have a a a league-wide limit i will say it's relatively low stakes it's going to get you in there thinking about college a little bit you don't have to know 200 players let's let's face it if if you have 10 20 30 you're only really going to consider probably 40 or 50 total for even 30 owned throughout you know the general consensus of the league there's not going to be a huge variety of the top 10, 15, 20 Devi players. Is that pretty accurate Katie like the, the subset that most owners would be considering at that depth is not going to vary super super greatly
1: Exactly but I do want to make sure and point out and I would be remiss if I didn't as much as I love Devi there is a lot of risk involved. And here's an example of, I took over an orphan in a Debbie league and it was very shallow Debbie. I think it was either one or two per team per season. And this was a few months away from the NFL draft and Malachi Dupree was a big name out of LSU. He was a big name wide receiver, but I did not have a lot of faith in him. I really didn't like his profile. I didn't like his film and the first thing I did was go shopping and the guy that had Saquon Barkley on his roster traded me straight up. Saquon, I got Saquon and he got Malachi Dupree. And we all know what happened. Malachi Dupree didn't get drafted till really late and never amounted to anything. And Saquon Barkley was a top running back. That can happen if you do that multiple times, you can feel snake bit. The biggest thing is don't give up. Trades can be even drafting. You can draft some guys that never hit. And you just do your best to look at the profiles. Um, I've, Var- I've the got, variance
0: is a lot higher. It's kind of variance- when you're... I mean because exactly. you can draft and it's less likely, you know, the James Robinson effect of like, oh, 405 in my rookie draft or undrafted in my rookie draft or Philip Lindsay, you know what I mean? Like like going all the way to being like, oh, in their rookie year, they're they're in my lineup. Like that can happen rookie draft wise, but it doesn't happen a ton. Devi, you can get guys, you know, even when fifty, a hundred, two hundred are owned in your league. And guys, we, we talk about it every year that they slip through the cracks and all of a sudden they would be first round rookie picks. And yet they, they went through unscathed, you know, in your annual draft a year ago or for three straight years. So the variance, and, and like you mentioned, I mean, someone can be highly touted. I remember Seth Williams, right? Seth Williams, did he yeah. go undrafted or was he like round seven or something? I can't remember. But the point is, a lot of people thought, oh, he's going to be a first-round guy, you know, day two at a minimum. And there's a big variance on a guy that can be proclaimed for one, two, three years in a row, and then they they get to the NFL time and it it falls through the floor. You mentioned Malachi Dupree being another one of those big names, if you will, that 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 didn't work out. We'll see about Seth Williams, so far, because that checkpoint you get with the NFL draft is they turn into rookies. Devi is basically the investment in my opinion, until they get to the NFL draft. Once they hit the NFL draft, you almost look at them in a profile way of, well, they're at the NFL now. And, and even during the draft process, they're still Debbie, you know, we're still, we still have a lot of moving pieces. All of a sudden they go 50 in the draft or 10 or 200. Now we kind of know, you know, even redraft folks are sort of valuing rookies uh, for, for the coming year and, and over the next few years or et cetera. Um, so what are what are some of the the pros and cons if folks are thinking about joining a Devi League? What are some of the pros and cons of even if it's just one league and and you join uh, shallow, deep, something in the middle? Um, what what what's some of that spectrum for you?
1: I don't know what the cons are, but I mean, are you talking about the different which depth would be the no most no no? Well, I can
0: think of one con, and then I'll pass it to you. One con would be okay. I don't like to analyze rookies until at least the NFL Combine or the NFL Draft. Because you know what? All my drafts are in May and June. So I don't make my own rankings. You know, I I dabble a little bit. I kind of pay attention. I listen to some podcasts about rookies. But until May or June, I really don't need to know. And this makes it so to some degree, hey, I don't watch college football. It's a whole leap in terms. It's like IDP, right? If you're not if you're not in IDP, you're not going to pretty much cover or analyze or look up fantasy stuff on IDP ever. So this will open that up. So if you are very much efficient with your time and you're like, hey, I'm in five five dynasty leagues and I, I like what I do. I'm in my own little bubble here of what I currently do annually and, and all this. I don't really want to add a whole new subset of, of assets, players, uh, even if it's just like I mentioned, you know, 10, 20 in a, in a league league wide, because you might be like, well, Debbie, are added, but I don't want to deal with that. And some people don't like it. What's what I find interesting is some people that play Debbie, they go in there and you rarely ever see them own a Debbie player. So that's another concept. I mean, they could just use those picks as capital or say, I'm going to get a better deal on rookies because I'm not drafting Debbie, you know, or whatever you... So that's one negative. It's just you don't want to maybe add, even if it's just a little bit of extra analysis on your part or, or receiving information, college isn't your thing. You pretty much don't follow the NFL draft until you know uh, March through, through May, uh, which isn't really a big subset of the listenership. But if that is you, and then then again, it may not be something for you to try because you may not like it.
1: True. But as you mentioned, you can be in a Debbie league and never even ever pick a Debbie player. You can use those picks to trade for assets that you are familiar with. So you can gain an advantage. Half the league loves Debbie picks and the other half loves either rookies or the NFL veterans, then that's a pretty good mix. As far as pros, Debbie is, is so addicting. It's so much fun. But what I like is that you can get a hold of a guy two, three years before most of your league mates have ever heard of them and keep them on your taxi squad until they they're like money in a bank in a 401k. And they just accrue and accrue and accrue. Now you're not going to hit on everyone. The hit rate At each position is very different. But if you're playing super flex or tight end premium, there's different strategies involved. I love the strategy of fantasy football. So for me, Debbie makes a lot of sense. And building out your portfolio, if you've got a taxi squad for Debbie, volume is king. If you've got a taxi squad that's 10, max it out in year one. However, that looks whatever that takes if you've got a taxi squad of 20 max it out when you make trades make sure you always get that one extra pick no matter what even if it's an eighth round pick if that can be a debbie player you can hit from anywhere steph curry you can hit from anywhere and by getting that extra player it could be a jerry judy it could end up being somebody that before for their known. And then the very next year, they, they rise up and you don't even have to keep them on your team the entire time. You could use them as a trade while they're still in college. So while there's a lot of risk, there's a lot of reward. And to me, that's what makes it fun.
0: Yeah. And I I think, you know, you can start small again. I did, but I I also say I've had plenty of subscribers that, they just go all in, and they use it as a learning process. It doesn't have to be high stakes; it could be low stakes. I mean, it could be a twenty-five to fifty-dollar entry fee, which is you know relatively low stakes in in Dynasty World and and for fantasy in general. And you could, you're going to learn so much, and, and just diving in and and figuring it out and and like Katie said, it's just going to be a lot of fun where. All of a sudden, now you're jumping in. It's this entire. You may. I'm not going to say you get bored with with Dynasty per se, but what I will say is, I, I've been playing Devi a while, and you know, league. I, it's rare that I join a league that isn't Devi now because it, it's just what I prefer. And and it's kind of like, you know, you put in the time, sort of. And I reference IDP for example. That if you put in the time for a new type of format with new players involved if you're in just one of those leagues, you're not really optimizing. It's kind of like you play redraft and you're in one dynasty league. Well, the analysis and the evaluation player value and stuff you're doing for one of a certain format. Like if you're only in one super flex league, I mean, kind of the work of what the player value is, you're kind of losing the efficiency of it because it's not too much more work to be in five of them, in my opinion, you know? So, is, that's what I would say is that if you're in one, one Debbie league, if you like it, you're probably going to want to be in more of them is what I would say, because you're already evaluating college players from the Debbie player value lens. And so now you want to utilize that in more than just the one league. Uh, it's kind of like starting fantasy, right? You're just, ah, I'm evaluating players. And so being in just one, you can put your heart and soul into it, but the added cost or the added mental, uh, energy and expenditure for a second league a third league, a fourth league is not a lot because you're dealing with the same thought process to go through building teams and making moves um, yeah and i would say it's definitely made me sharper and someone that i already really dug into the rookie draft process but when you can more closely even if it's just you know uh, an additional 5 10 20 players in each draft class the fact that you're going to have a longer, because some people, let's face it, you get to January, okay, who's in this year's draft class? And you're getting to the point of you're kind of rolling back. Well, let me see. You know, I kind of remember this past year. I remember watching some Alabama games. But when you, when you own them or considered them and looked at them as Debbie players for one, two, three years before they even got to the draft process, all of a sudden now you have a much richer understanding of their career as a whole. You remember them when they were out by injury. You don't have to like look back three years and be like, oh yeah, it looks like they were a little productive as a freshman, but how good was that? No, you remember because you considered them. Should I draft them? Maybe you have them in Devi Leagues, uh, incoming freshmen, second year. And that's I mean, that's gonna be my final point and I'll, I'll throw it to you, Katie. It's just the the fun of seeing a player, it could be positive, it could be negative, but seeing, you know, you mentioned Malachi Dupree and others but it's like incoming freshmen you know we get you know it's like the incoming rookie class like this year we're talking about you know this this new wave of of players entering college and some of them are going to be more expensive next off season some of them are going to be equal some are going to be lower lower value and it's an interesting process to watch as they go through and some players are like well they're still really talented well do we really expect him to start as a freshman or this year they didn't break out it works just like nfl rookies just in college that i really enjoy the storyline aspect of players that are super cheap and all of a sudden become really expensive whether it's warranted or not and just that whole storyboard of player value there
1: Absolutely. It's it's all good stuff. And again, the hit rate at each position varies. And just knowing that, just knowing that, hey, I'm not going to hit on every player. I can like all these players, but they're not all going to hit. And a hit is, there's several different definitions of that. If you draft them in the eighth round, and you can trade them for a third rounder the very next year, and then they end up not hitting after that, well, you got out at the right time and, and that's all good. Or if you uh, drafted them in round three or whatever, and then they end up uh, round one NFL pick, that's a hit. Absolutely. Even if they, after he was a hit for those owners that had dropped in him and Debbie, because he ended up being the one one that year as a rookie, but it still didn't insulate him from fizzling out when he made it to the NFL. So there's so many different variables. Just got to understand that and have fun with it, not get too wrong over guys that you don't hit on, not get, you know, just try to build your portfolio. Volume is the key and just stay, stay balanced, my friend.
0: Yep. And just like any other format, if you've never played, you know, auction startup draft or, or salary cap or IDP. I mean, you're going to take some lumps. Or when you were coming from Redraft World and you play Dynasty for the first time, we all look back at a first startup draft or early moves or early leagues. And yeah, you're going to have a bunch of stuff that you want to take back. But that's part of the learning process. And frankly, it makes it when you've improved, when you've refined some of your skills and feel a lot more comfortable with whatever format it is that, it feels more rewarding, you know, that if you just started out and you're like, oh, well, this is easy, you know, uh, that uh, I'm hitting on every Debbie pick and, you know, they're all great. It's just like, ah, where, have, where have I been my whole life, you know, sort of mentality again, that's typically not the, the path there. So just know that there's going to be a learning curve there, but the long-term reward is greater understanding for college players, more enjoyment, uh, deeper player pool, more trade options, and I find, you know, trading in Devi leagues to be the easiest of any of the formats, even if you add, you know, to other ones, too tight end or super flex, uh, deep roster, shallow roster, whatever I find Debbie just adding a whole new subset of players and picks potential. All that makes trading, especially with teams in opposite directions so much easier because it's not just picks. It's uh, the college landscape added to that as well. And cashing in some of those players. For current producers, whether it's in season or the off season, uh, wanted to thank Katie Flower for coming on the show. She is at ff underscore Skylar three ninety nine. Talking Devi, little uh, preamble uh, introduction here to the topic. I think you know, in the summer months, perfect time. Startup drafts are forming plenty of plenty out there with Devi, and you may have some pause. So we're talking through it uh, in terms of the pros. Uh, maybe if it's for you for not for you. Um, and I think just experimentation is, is one of the watchwords here of just trying something new because you don't know until you actually get into it. You have a full season and be like, ah, you know, I, I like these parts. I don't like these parts. Uh, and, and it's a good fit slash not a good fit for me. Um, and one more reminder, if you want to support the show, no advertising, patreon.com UTH. Got Tim Torch doing a feature show with me. It's weekly in season about the waiver wire. Uh, we, we meander with, with voted on topics in the off season. Also a VIP chat strategy sessions, etc. Bonus content. So that's a way to give back. And uh, if you don't want to hear about a bunch of products you hear on all the other podcasts, Uh, we keep this clean for Dynasty content. So for Katie Fire, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle. Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.